Hello and salam. Welcome to Muslim Viewpoint, a new podcast series powered by American Muslim Today, a groundbreaking nonprofit digital newspaper who champions civic engagement, AMT informs and empowers the diverse voices of almost 30 million Muslims here in the U.S. and other Western countries. I'm Rifat Malik. I'm AMT's editor-in-chief. And today we have an interview with Dr. Ghada Khan, who is the executive director of American Muslim Health Professionals. And she gives us some insight about how the COVID pandemic impacted individuals and communities facing isolation, grieving the loss of loved ones, and where we are now nearly three years down the line. She spoke to our reporter, Maya Gaylor. Well, definitely those feelings of uh, anxiety uh, have increased during the pandemic, uh, as well as uh, the stressors that come with isolation. So isolation has been a, a, a big component impacting the mental health of, and well-being of, of Americans in general. Um, and, and but more so among the youth, uh, youth have have definitely been impacted by this issue of isolation that came with the pandemic, and it increased the stressors that uh, our youth have been facing um, when when dealing with their mental health issues, especially when it comes to access to to healthcare professionals or counselors that can support them uh, as they uh, try to navigate the, uh, the isolation during the pandemic. And uh, we, we've seen a rise in um, the uptake of uh, online and, and telehealth uh, options to address this issue. But of course, nothing takes the place of face-to-face interactions and, and um, connecting directly with professionals to help uh, support uh, individuals as they navigate their mental health needs. Um, and so as a national health organization, um, can you tell us some about some of the COVID-related initiatives um, you have been involved with, including inviting uh, Dr. Fauci to address American Muslims about the issue? we were able to, um, um, in terms of while we were doing outreach as part of uh, being co-founders of the National Muslim Task Force on COVID-19, we recognized that the need among different um, communities to really address issues around vaccine hesitancy, mental health, um, dealing with issues around grief and loss because um, we can't, uh, you know, one of the main issues with the pandemic has been the loss of lives uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And so uh, we've done outreach with different uh, community members and organizations. And uh, Dr. Fauci was uh, already a recipient to uh, addressing the Muslim community and addressing the concerns that have come up uh, within the Muslim community, especially around um, access to vaccines, questions around the vaccines, um, vaccine hesitancy, vaccine misinformation. And so we were, we had two um, 
our webinars with Dr. Fauci. One initially, as we, um, as the vaccines were being developed and rolled out, and the second was when we were starting the process of going back to school and how to address the issue of going back to school uh, and making sure everyone was vaccinated at, in order to keep our kids and our uh, teachers, our school communities uh, safe as well, including parents. Um, and uh, those, uh, those, that was a preliminary um, item that we did was that outreach to uh, different advisors and leaders in this space. But we also reached out to, to the community and recruited vaccine advocates who served as our liaisons within the different communities across the country to support this effort to increase vaccine um, uptake, uh, answer any questions regarding uh, access and equity and misinformation, but also addressing issues that might come up when it comes to the mental health needs of the communities as a result of the COVID pandemic. We also launched um, a vaccine ambassadors program in, in partnership with the Johns Hopkins University. And those ambassadors in particular were leading um, uh, clear initiatives to address these issues, including some research projects all across the country to address this. Um, however, in, in engaging with communities, uh, the, the need to address the mental health needs of the community was clear and we pivoted in, in our mental health outreach where we used to uh, provide in-person um, mental health first aid training to different communities across the country and we started providing these um, virtual mental health uh, first aid trainings. An unexpected uh, positive issue uh, uh, outcome from this was that uh, we actually were able to reach more individuals than what we normally would uh, when we were conducting in-person mental health first aid trainings. So these, uh, this virtual platform gave us an opportunity to really, really um, increase our outreach all across the covering um, individuals who may not have had access to this. Uh, a very important tool of, of getting this training that provides this basic understanding of mental health needs, um, risk assessments, and um, taking care of the needs of the individuals uh, around us, um, which, uh, which allowed us to really expand um, the mental health uh, first aid programming. But in conjunction with that, we definitely also increased our advocacy efforts around uh, uh, policies that address the mental health needs of the most vulnerable. So we did a lot of advocacy work around the particular mental health needs of youth. Um, as uh, MHP is part of the Set Down the Alarm for Kids um, Coalition, which um, has done um, phenomenal work around uh, addressing the particular uh, policies that address 
uh, the Muslim, uh, not just Muslim, just mental health needs for youth, but on our end, we were advocating for the particular needs of the Muslim community. Um, and then, so, unfortunately, as you know, millions of Americans have died from COVID-related illnesses, especially, you know, before we had the vaccine out. Um, so, you know, and that left behind lots of families and friends. Um, so what kind of mental health issues can be expected whenever someone has experienced a, the loss of a loved one due to um, unexpected illness or sudden illness? is a central uh, reaction to this um, uh, the pandemic and, and we, we put out a series of webinars and educational um, support uh, webinars to support those who are dealing with this um, from an interfaith perspective so we had different representatives uh, from different faiths be part of this um, uh, uh, effort to deal with the uh, grief that many, many uh, individuals across the country were, were feeling. Um, this grief process takes time and can and can have the long-term effect of any loss, of course, is, is something that individuals will have to deal with, unfortunately, uh, for quite some time. And one of the key issues to address this is, of course, seeking out mental health support when needed uh, through therapy, through professionals, but also making sure that the community is well prepared to support those individuals' uh, mental health and well-being. So in, in providing things like mental health first aid tra training, we're supporting the support process for those individuals that are dealing with grief. It's very important for um, us to, for all, not only those who are experiencing the grief to um, uh, be helped, but we need to inform our um, our our communities on how to best support those individuals, and so uh, this is part of the process of making sure that this is done uh, holistically, but also in conjunction with the needs of the particular needs of the community. So involving them in the process is key. Um, not only uh, have many individuals um, experienced loss during COVID, we've lost over 1 million lives now, but it is also the long-term effects of long COVID can have a detrimental impact on the well-being of individuals in general, but their mental health in particular. There are, uh, of course, what we are, uh, what's being labeled or termed now as long COVID can really um, impact uh, many individuals causing some disabilities that we are not sure how long will last. But that can also impact the mental health uh, of individuals as they try to deal with um, some of the losses and disabilities that they may be um, experiencing as a result of long coping. Right, and um, kind of as you were touching on earlier, children obviously have 
um, you know, been affected because they were in school virtually and then they had to come back to classes and there were some restrictions, you know, wearing a mask or social distancing or whatever. Um, so maybe what kind of things have you seen within children specifically um, in that adjustment? Uh, I don't know if I can be a little political here, but it, uh, uh, in in um, one of the main, uh, of course, you mentioned all the issues around uh, children having having have had to be in isolation, learn in isolation. Um, as much as we try to make this uh, process more communal through Zooms and, and online platforms, of course, all these uh, uh, youth and children were learning at home in their own spaces and um, it's difficult to really uh, know what each student was dealing with at home. So in this transition process, um, uh, it did take, you know, uh, some people were excited, some people were fearful given the pandemic has not fully uh, been over um, and we are still dealing with it and we are still being vigilant. Um, this transition process is, uh, is difficult for children. I, I mean, let alone difficult for adults to actually go back to normal life too. But the transition period has uh, taken its toll on on students in terms of trying to re-navigate um, those different guidelines uh, that they are supposed to, that they were so used to dealing with before, the structures that they were uh, dealing with before, um, uh, going back to learning one-on-one -on -one with their schoolmates and their teachers has a, a difficult uh, process to navigate in addition to uh, of course, those who have dealt with loss as well, trying to transition back to normalcy within the school system was difficult. Um, but one thing that we also did see was um, a lot of ambiguity around um, masking, uh, different uh, protocols, and, and with children having to deal with um, the different decisions that adults have to make with regards to what constitutes their safety and a back and forth in that also created confusion among many children, um, you know, having um, varying guidelines about masking uh, in different states, different schools, different jurisdictions, um, definitely um, caused some confusion among kids and their parents uh, as they to deal with varying guidance from uh, government entities. And I don't know if I can be political, but that's one of the um, one of the things that unfortunately our young our youth had to deal with is um, this, this this indecision among uh, um, Coping with the with uh, uh, experiencing multiple sickness uh, over a short period of time um, also was an issue that uh, uh, many students had to deal with. Um, you know, with their uh, either them experiencing COVID 
uh, or their uh, classmates being frequently absent as well. Again, it's a, it's a clear departure for, from normalcy that we would love to see our, our kids have once again. Um, but hopefully we are getting there. Uh, we remain vigilant to make sure that everyone is safe, especially our young in their schools. Um, but these are um, many, many issues, again, that, that kids have had to deal with uh, in returning back to schools and maintain, uh, uh, sticking to the guidelines and maintaining uh, their safety and wellness as they, as they transition back to school. Right, and then also along with getting back to normal, um, the Biden administration recently announced that they are ending the emergency status in May. Um, do you feel that's the right thing to do, and is there any chance that people will no longer get vaccinated? Well, that's a, that's a loaded question in terms of um, what will they do um, if, 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 if or not that they will get vaccinated, again, depends on um, what individual states are willing to do to continue to support the um, vaccination process. I, I, uh, it's unfortunate that this had to end. Um, uh, we do want to make sure that everyone continues to have access to support um, uh, uh, and any and, and continue to have access to vaccine testing and so on. There will be some um, emergency, uh, well, part of the different uh, allocations that the, the, the emergency funds did provide will still remain. And I think uh, uh, we will, on our end, will continue to share all the different resources and, and areas that can continue to be provided and supports that can continue be, to be provided. Um, but it is unfortunate that this may um, decrease individual access to the different vaccines and um, we will definitely want to um, do what we can to maintain uh, access to, to the different um, support provisions. Um, and then finally, my last question is, do you think there are any positive things that we can take away um, from how COVID has impacted our society? Positive things, um, I would say that it has uh, taught us that um, we need to be better prepared for pandemics. Um, I, um, all the lessons learned about uh, miscommunication around vaccines, miscommunication around or misinformation around what COVID is should be a lesson learned in just how much um, uh, there needs to be partnerships between the health system and communities um, This uh, so that communication uh, messaging information can can really stem from community empowerment to take uh, to take lead when it comes to their own health. Um, we also need more funding 
for preparedness for the pandemic. Uh, public health, unfortunately, always um, isn't as funded as it should be. And I hope this pandemic taught us that we do need to make sure that our systems are well prepared to deal with pandemic. But first and foremost, our communities should be well informed and um, ready to address any, um, hopefully this doesn't happen, but to address any issues that might come up in future. Um, and and again, engaging communities, especially those who are most vulnerable, the most vulnerable uh, communities, the most um, um, minority communities in in this process has taught us that we should have been doing these engagements before. Partnerships should have been solidified before anything else happens. Um, and making sure that leaders, whether they're community leaders, faith leaders, are part of this conversation so that um, the needs of communities, the needs of minorities, the needs of those who have been experiencing the most injustices and inequities when it came to the pandemic response are really given the attention that they need and deserve um, so that we are well prepared to deal with this, um, this uh, these types of incidences in future. Well, thank you for joining us this week. From me and Maya, goodbye. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at American Muslim Today. If you'd like to read more about this story and access more digital content, feel free to check out our website, AmericanMuslimToday.com. We'll see you next week on Muslim Viewpoint.